Z1077 welcomes you to Up Close, a weekly public affairs program presented by Z1077 News. You're invited to call in with your questions and comments. Our call-in number is 366-8471. Now, your host for Up Close, Gary Danielle. Well, thank you, Mr. Announcer, wherever you are. And welcome to the Z1077 Up Close Show on this beautiful but hot day in the Morongo Basin, Friday, May 29th of 2020. I am Gary Dignot, your host. Our producer is Sarah Schneider. A number for you to call and participate is 760-366-8471. And our guest in studio today is the Honorable Jeff Drozd and Curtis Yakima, representing the town of Yucca Valley. Jeff, of course, is our mayor. And Curtis, the town manager. And Curtis and Jeff, welcome to the Z1077 Up Close Show. Delighted to have you here. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. You really play that didgeridoo really well. I, thank you. I practiced, practiced for years and years. Uh, now, Curtis, you're, you're, you're a veteran. You've been on this show before. I have. Thank but, you. Good morning. But this is Jeff's first time. Matter of fact, Jeff confided to me and about 10,000 other people that this is his first radio interview. Yes. That's a lot of firsts for you, Jeff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that for a second. Then we're okay. going to come in. Now, you are not the definition of a politician. No. You're a local guy, grew up in Yucca Valley, spent your entire life in Yucca Valley, worked at the high school for many, many years, now at the college. What possessed you as uh, basically Joe Citizen to run for public office? Well, um, I remember when the town incorporated, and uh, there were so many people that I admired, you know, growing up here, and I always wanted to be part of that, but I never had the time because of working full-time, of course, and raising a family, and when my kids grew up, it's like, well, this is time to do it, so I volunteered for the planning commission for five and a half years, and then uh, I decided to run for town council, and it's because I really just love Yucca Valley. Um, you know, the town's really important to me. I mean, I've lived here since 1976. So the the ecosystem of the area, everything about the area I've loved. You know, from when I moved here as a teenager, back then you could have a pickup truck or a car when you were 16 years old. And I would go out on the back road to Big Bear. And I just fell in love with the desert. Well, I think it's good that you spent the time on the planning commission. Because then you, basically, by, when you get to the council, you have an idea of how stuff works. A lot of people, it takes them about a year to get their wheels up to speed. But uh, you were able to get a little bit of a, a, a run ahead of time by being on the planning council. Anyway, I just want to, I want to bring that up a little bit. And quiet. he's definitely one of the most relaxed council members, usually coming in with his Hawaiian shirt. Yes. <laughs> but I... I, I um, I really like uh, being part of the town council. I think it's really important. And it's one of the, I mean, I love working at Copper Mountain College, and I love being on the town council. It's like those are the two things I really love in my life. It's Everything's came together in a nice way for me. Well, that's great, Jeff. Well, you represent your community well, and I'm, I'm proud to have endorsed you for office. Now, yes, you have endorsed <laughs> me. And I will be running again also. So All right. Well, you heard it here November. first. <laughs> yes, running again. Now, Curtis Yakima, you also came from another position with the town to become the town manager so give us a little bit about your uh, your your history with the town of Yucca Valley. I did Gary thank you I've been with the town since 2005 started there as their administrative services director and then transitioned to uh, an appointment to town manager in 2014 it's been a great ride a lot of changes over the past years and uh, we're looking to the future and a lot of great things in Yucca Valley for the future as well 
And then, of course, COVID-19 comes around at the beginning of March and blew everything up, yeah. uh, at least for the, the first 60 days here since that time. And it's been a wild ride. Every day something is changing. But we're just so thrilled with our community and how they've come together for the most part to be able to have responsibility on their own, to self-police, uh, has made it very uh, manageable for the town to be able to find a balance between ensuring public health, following the guidance that's laid out by our public health officers, and also allowing people uh, to be responsible for their own actions. And we're going we're gonna to come to that, what the town is doing to react to that. And, uh, and of course, that's affecting small cities and big cities all over the, all yeah. over the, all over the world. Now, when I moved here, uh, there was one two-lane road that went f- basically from Morongo Valley to 29 Palms. If there was a convoy on there, you just waited because you couldn't really pass anybody on that one two-lane road, which wasn't in very good shape. Yucca Valley was a place you passed through on your way to 29 Palms. And, of course, 29 Palms' biggest industry was the 29 Palms Marine Corps base. My goodness, has Yucca Valley changed. In the years I've been here, an amazing transformation for the town of Yucca Valley. So the town of Yucca Valley has become the financial hub for the Morongo Basin. Your major retail is there. Most of your banking is done there. Uh, is that how the town fathers envisioned that, or did they sort of inherit all of that? You know, I think it's probably a little bit of both, and I'm sure the mayor has his thoughts on it from the elected's perspective. But from the staff perspective, you know, I think as that development occurs, I think it started with the understanding that Yucca Valley cherishes its natural environment. The beauty that's here, the small town feel that's here. And then to be able to leverage that as people came into the area. And I think given its geographical location in the basin, that probably helped as well that you have a central place for all of the communities, whether it's 29, Joshua Tree, Morongo Valley, where I live. All of the folks can come into one central area. And I think the retailers have noticed that and have been able to provide those types of resources for our community. And there are three distinct personalities for the main communities in in the Morongo Basin, 29 Palms, uh, Joshua Tree, and Yucca Valley, each of them very, very distinct. I'm not going to try to define that distinction. I think anybody who's been here for a while knows that. Uh, now, Jeff, you've experienced those changes. Yeah. You moved into this little town of Yucca Valley. One traffic signal on Old Woman Springs Road. Now that you have it. 22, soon to be 23 traffic signals. Yes. But who's counting? Yes. Okay. Depends so. if you're driving, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but the challenge is, I think... Um, I think the misnomer is uh, a lot of people blame it on growth of Yucca Valley, and that's part of it. But really, when you have millions of visitors passing through going to the national park, we have to deal with that. And there are growing pains with it. You can't always address every, you know, everything has to go through a process to get approved, and it takes time, and it's expensive. And there are growing pains. Nothing's perfect. And But going through the national park to the national park, um, there's just so much traffic and we're at the corner of two state highways and even highway 247 is getting much busier well interesting when the twine palms casino tortoise rock casino came in they one of the few environmental impact reports that they had to do because they're a sovereign nation don't really have to ask they did have to do a traffic study with the state and of interest the traffic study for the tortoise rock casino showed the most impacted intersection was the intersection of state route 247 and highway 62 right smack dab in the middle of downtown yucca valley 
So yes. we are all kind of interrelated. And, of course, the Yucca Valley not only gets the traffic from the tourists, but you get the traffic from the world's largest Marine Corps base. Yes. There are, there are the 17,000 people out of that Marine base. And those uh, convoys still come up. I passed one on my way to work this morning. Except now you can get past them. Absolutely. <laughs> Back in the day, you, you just got behind Tail End Charlie and just kind of mm-hmm. rode it up. So Yucca Valley has uh, transformed itself into a modern hub. Uh, things are happening in Yucca Valley. I think probably one of the biggest challenges, Curtis, that you were involved in uh, is the sewer. That has, that has changed uh, the very nature of Yucca Valley. I think in a good way, from uh, the, the point of view of the town manager, what has the sewer done to change the nature of your town? Well, there's been a couple of things. Obviously, the town of Yucca Valley is not the lead agency on the project as the High Desert Water District takes that role. But as you indicated, all of us are interrelated. And so that project has provided the ability for ensuring clean groundwater, the ability to limit the amount of discharge going into our groundwater basin. And then importantly for our residents, uh, as an ancillary benefit of that project, we were able to ensure that all of the local roads that were impacted by that project uh, in the installation of the main lines and the collector system going in have been repaved. Most of them have been reconstructed. And so it's given this community an ability to address one of our most significant needs, which is an infrastructure deficit. And we still see that all around town, uh, being relatively newly incorporated since 1991 and inheriting many of the things from San Bernardino County where Uh, As an outpost, if it, 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 a lot of folks refer to it at that time, Yucca Valley was an outpost, and so there wasn't a lot of resources put into infrastructure here, and that's a battle that we're continuing to face today. Fortunately, uh, over the past few years, there's been additional funding that's coming in, whether it's from uh, the new gas tax is coming in from the state, the voter approved in Yucca Valley Measure Y that's provided funding for our infrastructure. All of those have been a great benefit as we've been able to develop some of those infrastructure needs that we've had. And I, I want to give a pat on the back to the High Desert Water District. They took a very complex, uh, not just the project, but the, the notifications and, and breaking down the entire system into phases. They, they took all that. I think they did a, a good job. I think they did an excellent job of public education. Most, as both of you uh, know, and Jeff, you're probably discovering more and more every day, people don't really react to something until it's affecting them. And yet the plans for those things take place years before. Uh, everybody's, you know, complains about something when they see it on their property tax bill. And yet that usually takes three or four years to even get there with lots and lots of public input. Uh, people don't necessarily show up to your council meetings. But then when you make it a decision that affects them, they sure let you know about it. So and it's very frustrating. I know I've talked to a lot, of, a lot of people at elected bodies who say, we want to hear from the public, but they just don't come to our, to our meetings. So, but I do have to give the Hunt as a Water District a pat on the back. I think they handled it well. And now that the sewer is, is up and running, uh, I think they've got about what, about a one third of the hookups now. Have you got a progress? That's my understanding. Yeah, they're yeah. going uh, fast and furious for all of our uh, residents in the area, moving generally speaking from west uh, from east to west through the town through those connections, and then the commercial quarter as well. So that's moving along very well. And the town and and the High Desert Water District have been able to work collaboratively and ensure that we try and make this as seamless as possible, even though it is a significant project, without doubt. So the town of Yuck Valley. Uh, 
starts out as an outpost, uh, starts to mature. It's now the financial hub of the area. No one will argue about that. Probably most of the retail of interest is the town of Yucca Valley receives the bulk of its income from sales taxes. 29 Palms get the bulk of its income from uh, TOT taxes. So it's both of the cities have sort of different natures, which kind of fits about them. Uh, but the town of Yucca Valley did something very smart, uh, and that was Measure Y. And, and you had the sewer coming, was affecting a lot of people. And now Measure Y is the half-cent sales tax that goes against the sewer assessment, correct? No. So there's X and yeah. Y. Yeah. Uh, y and no, Z. Y and so Z. Sorry about, y and Z. Sorry yeah, about yeah. that. I That's got it okay. mixed up. They're both the same mechanism, half-cent yeah. sales tax. Yeah. Uh, measure Y was really uh, passed by the voters based on the idea that it would provide additional resources for public safety, yeah, that's infrastructure, for infrastructure, and yeah. some quality of life issues. Measure Z was the one that went to the... To, for, the, uh, to lower the wastewater assessment. And, and that in has the first year, it paid for half of the debt? It did. My goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. And we're a little bit concerned as uh, sales tax now is being threatened by the economic impacts related to COVID. So we know that our upcoming budget cycle is going to be challenged by that. And that will also affect the Measure Z assessment. But uh, the voters just did a, a tremendous uh, uh, as it provided a tremendous asset for the community. As we looked at our budget, if Measure Y resources weren't there to ensure and maintain public safety, uh, it would be a very different budget story than what we're uh, currently proposing to the council. All right. Yes. Uh, we, have a, we have a caller who's going to talk to you about Joshua Trees. I expected that might come up, so let's go right to them. And uh, Casey, you're on the radio. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And your comment today? Hey. Yeah, so I'm calling about the, uh, um, there's a proposal to list Joshua Trees as endangered. And I um, uh, heard that the uh, town council in Yucca voted unanimously to oppose that. Okay, first, I think in case it's threatened, by the way, not endangered. So there's, a, there's actually a big difference there. What, oh, say it again? Yeah, they are proposed to list the Joshua Tree as threatened, not endangered. There's, there's, a, there's a big difference in the level of protection. Just, I'm just oh. making sure that we're, we're accurate, that's all. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. And, uh, um, but Yucca voted unanimously to oppose that. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask the members here three questions. Um, do they know the range of Joshua trees, where, where they live, where, where they thrive, and how many... Joshua trees have currently been cut down in Yucca by projects, and how many have not been cut down by projects where you've stopped a project because you said, no, there's Yucca trees, there's Joshua trees here, we're not going to cut those okay. down. Okay, let's start with the first one. Jeff, you want to, uh, do, uh, do, are you aware of the range of Joshua trees? Yes, I, to I totally am. Um, Joshua trees go from... Uh, Gosh, that, that defines the Mojave Desert, really. I mean, the Mojave Desert is the Josh tree uh, where they grow. And uh, that's from Las Vegas to uh, Josh Tree National Park um, up towards Ridgecrest. Um, but Joshua trees are, have a wide range, but part of that is on private land. Some is on public land. And well, one, well, can I add? Can I add one more thing? There, really quick. Sure. They on, they only live between three thousand feet and five thousand feet. So that's why you see no Joshua trees in the town of Joshua Tree. You, but you see a ton of Joshua trees in Yucca Valley. You see some very old growth Joshua trees in Joshua Tree. They, they, you, Josh, Yucca has one of the uh, most wide um, 
and dense populations of Joshua trees in their entire range. Well, what I want to okay, hang on, Casey. Your question was, "What is the Joshua Tree Range?" So let him answer right. the question. Okay. Well, what I want yeah. do want to say is, places like the Mojave Desert Land Trust that um, purchase land ahead of time before somebody wants to build on it. To me, that's real conservation, and I would love to volunteer there someday when I'm done with the town council. I think that is incredible. Um, that's that's the way you should conserve. Um, what I'm concerned about is private property and uh, town town property stopping construction projects, and we don't know what's going to happen with this. It's uh, it's a kind of an unknown, and it's based on uh, global warming actually, rather than loss of uh, uh, of land of, or of Joshua trees. Okay, now the second question Casey asked was. How many uh, have been cut down in the town of Yucca Valley? I, I don't know if you can track that. But, yeah. So we have a process, as you know, in our development code that has protections for native plants. And it's not just the Joshua tree. There's a number of other plants that are protected. And any time uh, one of those is going to be identified for either maintenance or relocation or removal, uh, a permit has to be attained for that. But uh, let me just speak just a little bit more broadly for Casey about the town uh, town's position in terms of the petition that's before the California Department of Fish and Game. It is not that the town uh, is against Joshua trees. Obviously, we cherish and uh, really look forward to a community that's based on um, our natural environment. The challenge is very simple. It is how do you how do you navigate and what kind of framework do you have as both a private property owner and a public agency in dealing with uh, a species that may be threatened or endangered and the regulation that comes with it. And there's really no framework that is a reasonable framework that would preclude uh, development of somebody's private property. And so that becomes very challenging for us as a community. So for right now, for example, as a homeowner, if you have a parcel, a half acre parcel, you may have 20, 30 Joshua trees on it. If you want to build a patio or a driveway through your, your uh, property, or maybe you, you want to build a pool, you go to the town, uh, ask for a permit. We come out and take a look at it, ensure that whatever regulations are in place are being met, and then you're able to do that. Should this petition be granted and, this, and the status changes, then the town may be completely precluded from that effort. The homeowner may have to engage a biologist, uh, file a permit with the Department of Fish and Game, go through that process and expense, and they may or may not get a permit to remove that tree. And so uh, for those reasons, just very practical reasons, the town will always stand up for the ability of our property owners to be able to maximize the use of their property. And so those are the reasons. It's just very practical. It's, it has nothing to do in this sense with the science. Everybody loves the Joshua tree. It's iconic, and, and, and that part of it is not part of the equation. It's really how do you manage, how do you navigate, how do you ensure that somebody can use their property as they desire? Okay, and we'll see, we'll see if we can answer Casey's last question. How, how many Joshua trees do you believe has been saved in Yucca Valley because of the existing native plant ordinance? Yeah, numerous, uh, for sure, because every time that somebody wants to identify or potentially relocate or destroy a, a Joshua tree, it has to come with its permit uh, that normally is accompanied by a building permit with a plan of what are you going to do with that tree, how is it going to be, is there any way that it can be saved or maintained or relocated or transplanted. Okay, Casey? 
Yeah, you just one final thing. You can't relocate a Joshua tree, though, correct? Uh, that, actually, you can. Sure, sure. Yeah. We've done it yeah. on uh, yeah. many of our projects. It matters how large they are. Okay, Casey? What? Thank you very much. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. we got lots of callers waiting to talk to you. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with the next portion of the Z1077 Up Close Show. Again, our guest in studio today is Jeff Droz, the mayor, and Kitters Yakima, the town manager for the town of Yakima Valley. We'll be right back with more right after these brief messages. Don't cough and sweat your way through the flu season. Boost your immune system now. Star Pharmacy has a full range of solutions for you. Everything from cough and cold medications to supplements and homeopathic remedies that work naturally with your body to support your immune system. Elderberry, echinacea, zinc, and much more. Keeping your pets healthy too with over-the-counter and prescription medications. Star Pharmacy is your low-priced leader. Carrying home medical equipment, wheelchairs, walkers, canes, and nebulizers. Star Pharmacy, open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. next to the post office in Joshua Tree. With Firehouse Subs Rapid Rescue to Go, you can order online or in the Firehouse Subs app, and they'll have your subs boxed, bagged, and ready for pickup at their designated to-go areas. No crowds, no lines, no waiting, no problem. Or get Firehouse Subs delivered right to your door with your favorite delivery app. They're proud to continue serving the hot, hearty, and meaty subs you crave every day. Remember, Firehouse Subs was founded by firefighters, so being there to help their community, it's in their DNA. A portion of every purchase goes towards providing life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs in Yucca Valley. The rigid and time-consuming process of traditional bank loans have paved the way for peer-to-peer -peer lending. This is Patty Brown, aka The Loan Lady. We offer viable alternatives and flexible lending on home mortgages. A lot of people are buying second homes, vacation rentals, or even properties to flip. Our money to loan comes from local investors who don't rely on credit scores, but instead, we invest in people. It's not too late to get in on the investment real estate market. All you need is the desire. We have the money to lend right now. Simplify applications and quick turnaround times too. Call me today at 365-7003. The Loan Lady, we want to be your real estate lender. And we are back with the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Dineau, our guest in studio today from the town of Yucca Valley, the mayor, Jeff Droz, and town manager, Curtis Yakima and uh, Curtis, uh, we are back on the radio. We got another caller. Uh, Mike wants to talk to us. So we'll go right to Mike here on the Z1077 Up Close Show. And Mike, you're on the air with Jeff Droz and Curtis Yakima. Good morning. Yeah, hi. Yeah, Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering about the uh, bird tax, uh, property tax, that it's going to a property tax now. Yeah, I can answer that for you, Mike. So we have uh, in the town of Yucca Valley a requirement that folks are uh, responsible for solid waste at their residences, the disposal of solid waste, basically trash, if you want to call it that. And so the only change that we are implementing at this time with Burtec is the transition from a three times a year bill that's sent directly to the homeowner to placing it on the property tax roll. And we've done that for a number of reasons. First and foremost is one of our ways to ensure that we have the ability to limit illegal dumping is related to the number of households that have service. And so as a direct bill, we identified that about 
uh, 18% of our residences were not engaged in disposing of their solid waste. And we think that that may be one of the reasons that there is so much illegal dumping in the area. Uh, and then uh, secondly, we just want to ensure that it's as simple of a process as possible. And so as part of our new agreement with uh, Burtech, who's, by the way, has been a great franchise hauler for us, uh, we wanted to ensure that residences uh, had service, had additional services that they've been uh, able to provide. And then most importantly, in this year of transition, there is no additional rate increase. And so there's no change to the homeowner other than the format of the billing. So they'll no longer have a direct bill, but rather it'll be uh, incorporated into their property tax bill. Can I explain it, Mike? Hello? Uh, yeah. I was wondering when this takes effect. Um, this will be starting uh, starting July 1st for the next upcoming fiscal year. Okay? Yes. Thank you. All right, Mike. appreciate your calling. 760-366-847. We'll have some other callers. We're going to get to them in just a moment. Uh, but uh, we we were talking about uh, Yucca Valley, uh, its growth. It's, it's moving along. Plans are working. Up jumps a worldwide pandemic. How has that affected the town of Yucca Valley? And I'll get it from both the elected representative point of view and the guy who handles the money. Yes. First of all, from your point of view, Jeff, how has that affected the quality of life? Well, it's you know, I mean, a lot of people have uh, lost their jobs. A lot of people are struggling. And uh, I'm really proud that the town um, did their economic assistance program because that allowed uh, businesses to apply for a grant for $5,000 each to help their business along and help it survive through this pandemic. And fortunately, our town has a great um, uh, reserve, a, a good reserve, not great, but good reserve. And, uh, you know, there's always financial challenges. It doesn't matter how much money you have. And this was a big one. And I think we stepped up to the plate with the economic assistance program. But sales tax is the big deal for the town, but more importantly, the people of the town. They are the town. They're the sales tax. They're everything. And we need to support the community. So that's why we did the um, economic assistance program. So, Curtis, uh, Jeff's point of view is probably a little different than you because you're the guy who counts the money and writes the checks. Yeah, so, you know, that part of it is a big deal. We're going to be losing about 15% of our revenues uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, we've been able to provide a budget to the town council that I think addresses that while still maintaining most of our services. I think more importantly, though, for this community is just a demonstration of the partnerships and the, uh, the woven approach that all of our governments take. And our hat's off to San Bernardino County, the Board of Supervisors, Supervisor Rao, and the entire county team. Because in an event like this, the town of Yucca Valley is relatively limited in its, in, in its approach as it is a public health emergency. So that guidance then will come from the state, Department of Public Health, as well as the county health officer for the most part. And as you've seen, the, both the county and the state work to develop as we've gone through and addressed the public health emergency, flatten the curve, as they say. Now then it's transitioned to how do we get back on our economic feet? And uh, the county has just done a tremendous job in being able to push for communities that have been less impacted by COVID, such as Yucca Valley and the entire Morongo Basin, to be able to move forward and cautiously and carefully open up our businesses again 
as every day that a business is closed is one day closer to that business not coming back. And we understood that and our town council understood that, which is why they were so supportive of uh, the recommendation to install and, and implement an economic assistance program where we were able to give back some of our Measure Y funds that we collected from businesses through sales tax back to the businesses to be able to contain uh, to maintain their their presence in the town are you getting any sort of feel of what uh, about the future will be as far as the timeline for the reopening i, I and i know it's you got to be really flexible because they, they're changing stuff almost daily i know sometimes uh, hourly i, yes. I know we, we try to keep up on it here i think our responsibility here as a radio station is to let the community know how they're being affected and, and i know there was one day when the the county actually came out with three different things all in one day uh, first it was you must wear a mask and it was well we want you to wear a mask but we're not going to mandate it uh, and then a couple other things so it's it's changing quickly uh first they said they weren't going to be opening uh, uh, uh barbers and hair salons now they have just done so uh, they said they weren't going to open restaurants too much later but they are now again with some some serious mitigation i i think it's still going to be difficult on the restaurants to make a go uh, with the mitigations but things are changing so quickly how uh, what do you see as, as coming up next curtis are you getting any feel from the county so one of the things the county did uh, a couple of weeks back was basically uh, repealed what they were providing at the county level and really relied on the state guidance um, and asked for a county variance to be able to move a little bit faster than the state was providing. And they were able to get that through. And, and so now, as the governor allows things to move forward, the county's moving in that direction and providing that uh, that direction to now, us. Now, you mentioned County Supervisor Rao, who's f from Yucca Valley. Yeah, yes. Yucca Valley is in a very unique position. Right now, our, our sitting U.S. congressmen from Yucca Valley, our state assemblymen from Yucca Valley, our county supervisors from Yucca Valley and the county fire chief is from Yucca Valley. You you got the big four all from your city running the county. Hey, Yucca Valley is growing <laughs> up. <laughs> My goodness gracious, that's really unusual. Uh, I actually did a little checking on that. That's never happened in the county. No, before. it's a, it's a blessing for it, sure for this area, for the entire area, not only Yucca Valley, but all of those individuals are committed to the entire Morongo Basin. I think that it speaks to the way that we operate. Uh, maybe more so than any other region in the state as a, an entity, even though geographically we're completely spread out yeah. and sometimes parochial. And that's OK, too. Yeah. Uh, proud of where our communities are and what they represent. But when it comes to working through issues, we always stand together. OK, we'll get some callers. Let's get right to them. And uh, Tommy, you've been very patient. Tommy, you've been very patient. You're on the radio. Good morning. Good morning. And your comment Hi. today? Okay, I'm reading to you from the High Desert Star. Water District opposes listing Joshua trees as a threatened species. And it says here in the second paragraph, if the listing was approved, it could deter people from building in the Morongo Basin because most undeveloped plots in the area have Joshua trees that developers will have to transplant or work around. I disagree with that because they don't, don't they want the Joshua trees that are so valuable? I could build a house around a bunch of Joshua trees. Tommy, do you have a do you have a question for either Jeff or Curtis? Uh, where, where, how do you stand on the the petition, the the listing, of, to uh, have did, the Joshua did trees you, listed did, as? Did you listen to the show earlier? Because we explained all of that. I I listened to it, but I also well, okay. Well, I just throwing in my two cents. I I 
agree that they, they should be listed as endangered. Okay, that, that's fair. Jeff, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I have a quick comment. Um, I just learned about this about a month and a half ago, but it was approved in October to go before the Fish and, Fish and Wildlife Commission. And I wish they would have went, communicated with the city or the towns and everybody involved. I mean, this involves Lancaster, even Big Bear, Baldwin Lake has Joshua Trees, that area. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they would have communicated with us, maybe we could have worked with them and worked out some kind of details or a change to it. But um, I don't know. I'm not aware that we were informed in any way. We just discovered it. Okay, Tommy? Okay, good show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. David, you're on the radio. Good morning. You're talking to me? Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, David Fick here. Um, I'm calling in regarding, well, not trash, but but mostly Joshua trees, which, you know, some of my favorite subjects. I've been out here 35 years. I've been watching the development of Yucca Valley since before incorporation for 30 years. And the Western Joshua Tree Petition is an effort to help protect the Joshua trees that are still standing. Um, Gary, you know, remember you remember Ray White? I do very I well. I also remember a yep. story I did about Ray White uh, clearing uh, clearing well, entire properties of Joshua Tree without uh, without wanting anybody to know about it. Well, yeah, he he did three. Well, it's a long story, but. Yeah. Before, before incorporation, he destroyed 588 Joshua trees north of Gates of Spain. I remember that, yes. I do remember he that whole fined, incident. He was fined $7.77 per tree. Mm-hmm. I chased this down. Now, then, after incorporation of Yucca Valley, he, in an effort to clear the area for the 92 sales tax of the Christmas season, he destroyed, while on probation, 468 Joshua trees on that area and the town of yucca valley while they was incorporated literally looked the other way then nine project 955 that's 990 joshua trees destroyed the lawyer the town lawyer recommended prosecution he was not pursued then uh sage estates i know this is a dear subject to mayor drugs but sage estates in December 2015, got a second from him in dismissing the destruction of 300 Joshua trees. There's no question that there were 300 Joshua trees missing. They were gone. And then um, there's more destruction. I can't keep track of it all. That is, uh, the Copper Hills probably took out about 1,200 Joshua trees. That was before incorporation, before my awareness of it. And so when you sum up all the destruction of Joshua trees in Yucca Valley, within city limits of Yucca Valley, it's close to 10,000 Joshua trees. And so for them to, this is a two, two sentences in the letter to the uh, California Fish and Wildlife from Mayor Grog. The town of Yucca Valley, possibly more than any other community in the state, values the integration of the desert environment, including the Joshua tree and other unique desert plants, into our continued development as a community, as evidenced by our town logo, as well as our general plan vision and values. The desert environment is woven into the fabric of this community. The plant on the town logo is not protected in Yucca Valley. Now, my question is, how dare you guys say that the town of Yucca Valley, possibly more than any other community in the state, that's uh, Joshua Tree is a community. 
So you, you, okay. my question is... Want to give them a chance to... Okay, go ahead. Yep, go ahead. Now, you had a question. Go ahead and state it. That question is how do, how do they dare say in oh, that first okay. paragraph, two sentences, the town of Yucca Valley, possibly more than any other community in the state, values the integration of the desert environment, including the Joshua Tree and other unique desert plants. Hey, David, this is Jeff. Nice to talk to you. I know we interact online occasionally, so it's nice to actually hear your voice. Um, I do want to say that there are two species of yucca that are protected in Yucca Valley. Um, the the regular yucca and then the, uh, what's the other one? I forget the name. But there's also the uh, pinion pine. There's also the juniper and the Joshua tree. And there might be something else. But I want to go back to Sage Estates. I was on the planning commission at the time. And what happened was they started building it and there was a count of Joshua trees. And then there was a delay because of the economy, when the economy crashed um, a while back. And then they decided to build again, and they hired someone else to recount the Joshua trees. Well, what was presented to us was the original person that counted the Joshua trees, a biologist, counted the pups, the Joshua tree branches that come off the bottom. And then the new biologist did not count those. He counted it as one tree. So I don't know how to reconcile that. We... You know, we had two different biologists with two different things about seven years apart. And that was a decision we made. They're tough decisions. I can't say they're easy, but that was a decision we made. You know, I would also add to that that um, a couple of thoughts as as you think about this, David. Uh, Number one, all of these properties that you're referring to are private properties in the sense that individuals uh, took their own money to buy these properties to develop them in the way that they desired and that the in in the way that they were permitted so uh, that's the first uh critical piece that these are investments that a homeowner or a property owner makes into the property secondly uh, one of the challenges that we have with the petition is again going back just to the practicality and sometimes what we call conflicting public policy so for example the state of california imposes direction on communities like yucca valley and they say to us, you need to generate X number of units of housing, affordable housing, market rate housing. You need to have X number of units of housing. And if you're not doing that, then we will be able to uh, potentially come in and provide some oversight to make sure that that happens. Similar case with our wastewater. The state said, okay, Yucca Valley, we don't want you to discharge anymore. We're not going to tell you you have to build a wastewater plant, but you can't discharge anymore, so you need to do that. So you have these p- types of policies that come before the, the town council and the, and the city that, or the town to be able to meet these obligations. And then in this case, you may have a petition then that limits your ability to deliver those public policy issues. You can't build a house unless you have permits to move Joshua trees. And on a half acre lot, that might mean 20, 30, 40 Joshua trees have to be moved through a permitting process from the California Department of Fish and Game, requiring the, the homeowner to have a biologist come and write a report and, and incur that expense. It's just, it, there's no practical implementation of this. So it's not that the town is against Joshua Trees, as we stated earlier. We love our natural environment, and I think that was what the letter was conveying, is that night skies, our natural environment, the Joshua Tree, the Yucca, all of those things are near and dear, but it has to be done in a practical common sense way and oftentimes that seems to be what's lost in the mandates that come out of sacramento 
Okay. Okay, David, I well, need to move on with the show. Anything else you need to know? Well, I, there needs to be a clarification on the Sage Estate. There was the first landscape plan, not counting all those pups. It was, initially, it was 859. It was reduced down to 525 in the first landscape approved plan. The second one, it was 205. So there are 320 Joshua trees missing. And also, the logo on the town seal is the, is the Yucca Whiplei, which is not protected in Yucca Valley. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right. 760-366-8475. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back. Of those of you on hold, be patient. More up close coming your way right after these. Mmm, not just bacon, pork belly. Steak and Shake introduces the Pork Belly Steak Burger. Two delicious 100% steak burgers with cheese topped with thick slabs of pork belly and maple bourbon sauce. Serve with Steak and Shake signature fries. Add a specialty shake like the summer seasonal favorites, cotton candy and black raspberry chocolate chip. Download the mobile app for easy ordering or the drive-thru is open. Steak and Shake since 1934 in the Home Depot Center, Yucca Valley. If you could save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on your family's household budget, would you do it? Every day, hundreds of homeowners are saving with the solar systems they've installed through SolarNow, the local hero solar contractor who's been here for over 25 years. There's no upfront cost, and the system is paid for on your property taxes. You can most likely deduct the interest, and it transfers to the new homeowner if you sell. Unlike the leases out there, it will increase your home's value, too. Call Mark Hines of SolarNow today and get a no-pressure, hassle-free quote. Call 228 31 Hi, this is Sue from Sue's Health Foods. Preventative health care has always been important. Eating at least five different colored fruits and vegetables each day help create healthier cells. Drinking enough daily water to hydrate your body can help reduce joint pain in many people. Taking a daily high-quality multiple will help cover nutritional needs for a healthier body and brain, as do healthy fats such as flaxseed oil, omega-3s, and coconut oil, probiotics, and a healthier gut are well documented and our private label identifies each of the strains we use. We're here to help with your nutritional needs and quality supplementation. Sue's Health Foods, committed to our community and to your good health for 36 years. Sue's And we are back. It is 1047. We've got about 13 minutes left in our program. You are listening to the Z1077 Up Close Show. I'm Gary Digno, your host. Uh, our producer is Sarah Snyder. Our phone number for you to call and participate is 760-366-8471. And our guest in studio today is Mayor Jeff Droz and Town Manager Curtis Yakima from the town of Yucca Valley. We go right back to the telephones. And uh, Sigrid, you're on the radio. Good morning. Good morning to you, and thanks for bringing these two great uh, men on the show. Thanks. <laughs> I, especially hi there. Appreciate, hi, I especially appreciate Jeff Droz, who, who went to help us, even though he wasn't a council member at the time for our district. But anyway, he was very helpful. All right, Sigrid, your comment this morning? Okay, the comment is, one is about the uh, FP5 fire tax. As you know, this town was double taxed 
because 20% of our property tax went towards the fire department already. And so um, I'm asking, is there any way to sue to get a refund on this fire tax, like Upland did? And then I have another question after that. All right, uh, Upland sued because they're being double dipped. Yucca Valley's definitely getting double dipped. Your comment on that? So what uh, <laughs> what we're aware of is there was some litigation brought, and it is going to be on the ballot as a separate issue going to the voters uh, in November. Yeah, the th- there's a repeal. There's a repeal on the ballot uh, for the entire county of San Bernardino, which will just. Take, we'll just we'll t- dissolve FP5 and the and the fees. Um, we would invite all of those folks that are interested, particularly in Yucca Valley, to uh, participate in our upcoming council meeting this Tuesday at 6 p.m. We have Chief Muncie coming to make a presentation on FP5, and I think it would be a great time for some public interaction. And uh, Chief Muncie will be the guest on this show August 25th uh, with Supervisor Rao to talk specifically about... Uh, FP5 and its repeal, so it's on the ballot, and I guess that will that that will that that would kind of preclude any separate lawsuit. Yeah, but we do have some concerns also on just the funding mechanism that fire has used for years, and so this will be a great opportunity to understand from the county's perspective, county fire's perspective, uh, this Tuesday to hear that presentation, understand where they're coming from, and what that means uh, on whether or not FP5 remains as it is today or if it's changed. Okay, Secret? Yes, but what about suing to get back the taxes we already had to overpay for the last two or three years? Yeah, I'm not aware of a mechanism to do that. I may, there may be that's something that I'm not aware of. Okay, Secret? Okay, the next question. Um, since the town is um, lacking in funds like everybody, now might be a good time to bring up again the medical marijuana stores to get the taxes from them instead of Desert Hot Springs and Palm Springs getting all the taxes. Well, the town of Yucca Valley brought that to the voters two different times, and both times was not successful. So I don't know that there's any appetite uh, from the council at this point to move in that direction again. Interestingly, though, is that industry is continuing to change and evolve uh, every day. And so a lot of the assumptions, a lot of the forecasts that were included as part of those efforts early on seem to be radically different uh, today. Uh, but uh, again, we've we provided the voters in Yucca Valley, I think, two different opportunities to, to to weigh in on that, and both times was soundly defeated. Okay, Sigrid. All right, thank you. Thank you, right, Sigrid. Thank you, David. You're on the radio. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. Good morning to the people from Yucca Valley. My comment has to do with the trash and going on to our tax bill, and I don't mind that at all. I'm legal. But we'll still have illegal dumping going on from the uh, low life is all the way I could say it. They'll still dump it. Yeah, it is. It's a challenge. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've tried to a- attain by tax roll billing is ad- addressing what we think is one of the contributing factors, and that is oftentimes the, the rental agreements that folks have for tenants is that the tenant is responsible for trash and oftentimes the tenants may not want to uh, pay for that service and so they don't take that service and ultimately that trash seems to end up uh, in our natural environs. So one of the mechanisms here with tax roll billing is that then the property owner becomes responsible for that and that service is provided irrespective of what the tenant does. 
We do know that there are other instances of illegal dumping, and we're uh, thrilled with our work with Bertech and being able to address additional resources that uh, they'll be able to bring to the table to address those cleanups when those uh, occur. Katie, yeah, well, not really, because I live on a dirt road, and I'm going to say at least once a month we have illegal dumping. Uh, and we, the property owners, are cleaning it up because we don't want our our area uh, dirty like that. And and David, that's smart because what happens? You have an illegal dump in the neighborhood, and the next Yahoo comes along with a with a dump and sees that, and he's, he's, he's adds to it, and pretty soon you've got a, a trash heap. So that that's good philosophy. And Jeff has something to bring in here. Yeah, I want to mention uh, the Burtex station on Buena Vista. That's going to be leaving, and that's going downtown over by the sewer. Uh, the sewer project, the sewer uh, plant, and they're gonna, there's going to be a transfer station there. So Yucca residents can, and I don't know if other residents can, but they can bring their trash in there, their larger trash, and it'll go to the dump. So hopefully, I mean, there's a lot involved, and there are more cleanup days. You guys will have, uh, we all will have, um, a little bit cheaper of a bill, I think because we're including more people, the 18% that aren't paying now. And we're getting better service. And the transfer station is really important. People can bring stuff down there. Yeah, but they're too lazy. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a challenge. We understand that, David. I've uh, it's Just the other day, I was running in Morongo uh, on my running trail and came across two giant piles of tires. And I think that's some of the downside of living in a rural area. We have our limited code uh, enforcement, uh, code compliance resources, uh, trying to track that down as well. But it is a challenge, and I think uh, as far, as long as we remain a rural area, it will continue to be a challenge. All right, David. Yeah. Life is a challenge. Okay, I appreciate it, Gary. God bless you, and keep up the good work. Thank right, you, right. David. Thank you, David. Bye-bye. Uh, so that brings us to the future of Yucca Valley. Uh, here's where we are. Where are we going with Yucca Valley? Is there is there a build out number? Is there what is it the what what is your vision for the future, Jeff? From an elected official's point of view, where would you like their town to be? Well, there there is a build out number, and it's uh, I don't recall it off the top of my head. I think it's about sixty thousand, and that's the total build out if everything was built. And but we have the surrounding area we serve. I think that's really important to realize. Everything Yucca Valley does, all of its community services, all of everything it offers, it, it doesn't just offer to Yucca Valley. It offers to Joshua Tree, Twenty Nine Palms, Landers, Barongo Valley. Um, so we offer services to everybody, and that's really important. And I think something Yucca Valley needs to work on is. Um, having more of a public type area, maybe an old town, and we're working on that. And it would be nice to have some kind of area where people can walk, maybe have a farmer's market or have something like that. Uh, way, way, way back, you know, before they invented fire, I actually saw a preliminary plan from Caltrans to bring the highway basically where Kickapoo now goes to Yucca Trail and that entire area of Highway 62 to the west of Pioneer Town Road would all be a walking, would, would be a mall, would not have the highway there. Uh, that was a long time ago, Curtis. Is, is that still on the, on the books? That, ha- that has changed. That <laughs> yeah. is not just based on the cost of moving a four-lane, potentially yeah, six-lane state highway. Yeah, that would be huge. not going to happen. Yeah. I think it was just somebody's proposal. Yeah, but you know, uh, we're really excited about the future. There's a number of different initiatives the town is working on. 
Uh, we have a Prop 68 Recreation Center Recreation Amenity Grant, about $20 million that we're uh, uh, working on feverishly right now. And that's now. the Aquatic Center. It is, yeah. Aquatic mm-hmm. Aquatics Gymnasium. Thank you, Chad Mays. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we're very appreciative <laughs> of Assembly Chad. Member Mays uh, and the voters who uh, ultimately approved that through Prop 68. We just finished a pro- uh, sidewalk project on Pueblo Trail, uh, providing additional access to our elementary school there. Uh, North Park's another park on our west side of town that we're looking to develop a trailhead. Super excited about that. Um, interestingly, you know, as the numbers in town continue to grow, our actual population, according to the Department of Finance, has been uh, 1% or less for the last five years, including the current year. So not a lot of actual households that are moving into Yucca. And so it becomes really a balancing of life. How do we continue to provide a balanced way of life between accommodating those folks that want to come and experience our natural beauty, the the national park, and the great job that David and his staff do at the national park? Whatever that uh, natural draw is, trying to balance that with uh, the need to ensure that our residents have access to amenities that they like as well. Would you would you define that as a challenge for the town to to balance those those it is. priorities? Uh, yeah, and have we've seen uh, through the explosion, we would call it an explosion of short-term vacation rentals. Uh, that brings its own challenge of visitation of potential limitations on rental, uh, your normal rental housing for long-term tenants, and some of those challenges, and then just ensuring that 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 doesn't impact our quality of life for local residents. And Jeff, from your point of view, what's the biggest challenge that the town of Yucca Valley faces? Growing pains, just more traffic. The highway, that's probably the biggest issue. Um, But also maintaining our rural atmosphere. I want to remind people we have South Park. People that have dogs, they can go up to South Park and hike to the peak. They're allowed on on town parks. And our new North Park that's being improved is a hiking trail that goes up towards the San Bernardino Mountains. So we have South Park going over by the uh, National Park. And then we have North Park that goes up into the National Forest. And they're both dog-friendly. So I'm really excited about North Park reopening all right great well curtis thank you so much uh uh jeff thank you so much for coming in to the z107 and up close show and your very you. very first radio interview yes and there's no wounds i, I get Is well it? well yeah i have one wound but <laughs> my left arm no. you did a good job there <laughs> besides that though and thank, you, thank you for the invitation it's always a pleasure to talk to the residents and the folks here in the community we appreciate great. that well we'll have you back in in a few months so we and there were great again. phone calls i really appreciate all of them all right thank that's going to do it for the up close show for today be sure to join me again next week for more up close until then thanks for listening drive carefully and god bless bye-bye <laughs>